Blog Talk Radio. We've got to be the body to rock it like we're never gonna see it again We are exploding, the world is gonna know it We'll rock it like you're never gonna see us again Come on over Come on over Good evening everyone, it is 11pm and Pure Gold is once again live and on the air for this Wednesday night, June 21st, 2017 the longest day of the year, whatever that means. My name is JB, and my co-host, as always, <laughs> sitting way to the, my left down south, is DG. Sir, how have you, how have you been? Oh, pretty good. Can't complain. I know it's been a long time since we've been on the air. According to you, uh, February, according to me, and in actual reality, April. So it's been about two and a half months since we've been on the air. Um, this year, we have done, let's see, let's let, let, let's let's check this out for a second, folks. I mean, for those of you out there listening, it's, you know, the greatest show on earth, of course. Uh, make sure you check us out, puregopg.com. We are about close to a year behind schedule on that. I think our last episode on the website is from last June, but that's okay. So, wow, this will be our, <laughs> this will be our second episode this entire year. Isn't that unbelievable, sir? It's unbelievable considering we have crawled to, uh, you know, we passed 200 and then, we're at two, we did 201 back in April, like you said. Now we're in episode 202. If we had done shows regularly um, every week for the past seven years, we'd probably be on like 602. But uh, it's 202 as it is. Uh, yeah, well, it's funny because we actually we were in like that mad rush to get the 200 episodes done um, while I was still in New Jersey, which I missed dearly. But that's a whole other story. Um, but we, we look, because I'm looking at this here, we had in January, I'm sorry, November alone, we did four episodes and they were basically in a row, the 15th, 16th, 19th, and 20th. I mean, we were trying to pump that out before I left just to make sure. And then since I've been gone, long gone, this is only our third episode and you're talking uh, almost eight months that I've been away. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? I mean, what happened to us, sir? We used to be every week, and then it became every month, and now it's like every season. I mean, you've been gone for eight months, but it feels like you've been gone for eight years, to be honest with you. It's been such – I don't – it feels so much longer than eight months. I mean, that's hard to believe, isn't well, it? Let, let me put it to you this way. We've done a show in all three seasons since I've been gone. We did one in winter, one in spring, and today is the first day of summer, so – Technically, the only thing we're missing is fall. So, folks, thanks for tuning in. Our next episode will be sometime in late September. September 21st, Possibly right? October. <laughs> yeah, September 21st. Whenever, whenever it's the first day of fall, that's when we'll be doing our next show. Man, so a lot of things have happened since our last show. I mean, I think the – Well, yeah. Know. You yeah, want to get into that of... or you want to wait until later because there's so, there's so much stuff that we – we have to cover today, and obviously the most important thing that we're going to discuss is not going to happen now because I'm leaving no, them yeah. up to you. So we pretty much have to, you know, we have to pretty much do this tonight. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, like, you know, our friendship is based on sports and, unfortunately, wrestling. And when our team Well, mostly our friendship is actually based on this. Well, crickets, yeah, true. <laughs> 
when when your teams really suck and you know the the sports entertainment world sucks, I mean it's it's you know there's sometimes there's just no motivation to do a show. Wait, if I was the commissioner, I'd be out there on Monday. He'd be out, gone, finito. So true. Not to cut you off, but I think my favorite part about this show, really the, my favorite part about our friendship, is that I always think of random things and be like, oh, well, I got to say this to Joe. Like, the other day I heard something, and all I could think about, literally, this is exactly what I thought about. Go to hell! Oh, wait, I'm sorry. No, no, no. Excuse me. That's not. Uh, this is the clip that I meant to play. <laughs> that was all-time amazing rant. I mean, I can't even believe that this guy appeared on the mic, uh, Francesca Pogger. Joe in Wallington. What's up, Joe? Isn't it amazing that after all these years, Mike is still on this show? I mean, how is it possible that Mike Francesca, the big wig that he is, actually appears on our program? That's a, and we just had Chris Russo on. We're basically like uh, bringing Mike and Amanda back together again, sir. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> Francesca is retiring in, uh, at the end of the year, and yet he comes on December, our show, no? and he always gives it. He always, te- he always tells it like it is. Oh. <laughs> well, that's my favorite thing, like I was saying, is that uh, we pretty much somehow, I, I'm sure we'd get sued if anybody was actually listening to this program, and thank goodness or not. Um, we'd probably get sued for all the clips that we have, although it's only a couple of seconds. I'm pretty sure legally you're allowed to, you know, use them. And if not, who cares? I mean, if they sue me, what are they going to take? I mean, I, I've got nothing, unless they want to take my kids, and then you know, that's a whole other story. But uh, anyway, folks, uh, for those of you out there in uh, Radio Land, up late this evening, uh, past your bedtime listening, we have a very, very special guest. Over the six-plus years of Peter Gold, I mean, we've had guests, I tell you, just a mile long, the list of who's who, pretty much, of, uh, of Hollywood royalty. But tonight, I mean, this, this person may possibly outdo them all. She is the one and only, and wait, let me give you a little backdrop. Before I even say her name, because I know she's listening now. And I have her uh, muted so she can't say anything. Oh, baby! <laughs> I love that clip, by the way. But anyway, this individual who we're about to introduce, the, the intro is probably going to be longer than the interview. But anyway, um, it's been like months and months and months, possibly a year. I don't even know how long it's been since we first um, met through LinkedIn, interestingly enough. And, um, you know, we both went to the same college, different times, of course, because I'm like three times her age. But anyway... Another side note, um, you know, and we've talked and we've had different conversations and stuff. So I think the best part about this whole thing is that this individual is somebody who um, has been on the radio, who is a former radio personality, hopefully, you know, in the future as well, somebody who went to Seton Hall. I mean, just a once-in-a-lifetime interview here, sir, the greatest guest possibly we've ever had. I'd like to introduce all of you out there listening, the Pure Gold audience, to the one and only Carissa Abraham, how are you doing this evening, ma'am? Wow, I honestly don't think I could have had a better intro, but that was really long. That was like two minutes and 30 seconds. <laughs> wow. It, you know, it was, and like I said, uh, the interview, at this point, the interview is pretty much over. Thanks for joining us, Chris. I just want to say, you know, yeah, no, really appreciate <laughs> really appreciate you taking some time out. But I told you, I'm very famous for my long, drawn-out, like, super awesome interviews. But, uh, you did? But uh, again, we thank you so much. We thank you so much for joining us, Carissa. Um, You know, there's so many different things that we like to talk about. Of course, 
the most important thing would have to be your affiliation with uh, the greatest college. Although my wife hates the school that we went to, and she calls it Seton Hall. I don't know if you've ever heard that before. But you went to Seton Hall. Tell us what's like from one fellow Pirate alumni to the other. Tell, tell us briefly, and I mean briefly, what that was like. Wait a second. I have I'm I'm confused. Why does your wife call it Satan Hall? It's actually Satan Hell, but why does she call it that? I'm a little <laughs> shook right now. Well, the reason she calls it that is because I owe so much money to that college and my degree it's and nice. It's the paper that it's printed on is beautiful, but it's pretty much been a complete waste. I've done nothing with that fine art degree that's sitting in my closet somewhere collecting dust and uh we'll pretty much, my kids will probably owe money on that degree. Um, you know, by the time they have grandkids. So that's the reason she hates the school. But she she always calls it Satan Hall. I like Satan Hell better, though. But anyway, tell us what that was like. I mean, I don't know how much money you owe, but I pretty much owe uh, selling one of my kidneys tomorrow to pay for that, uh, you know, that debt I have. Well, yeah, I have to sell a couple people in order to pay off my loans at this point. <laughs> but actually, I really love Satan Hall. There's like a, a horrible stigma around Satan Hall. Like, oh, you snooty rich kids that can go there because it's super expensive, which <laughs> oh, is yeah. totally not true. Um, I mean, it's a really difficult school to get into, to be honest. Um, I had like a, I had a 4.0 leaving high school, and my SAT score wasn't up to their standards. So they were like, oh, we don't want to put you in the program right away. And I'm like, um, okay. But then they did. So I really can't say anything bad about it other than it's costing me my life and my soul. Well, I mean, that's we'll get into your soul later on, but, um, you know, the school in and of itself was a great school, you know, for what it's worth. But um, it's funny you mentioned, of course, uh, getting in. I'm sure the standards must have been a lot higher when you went in than when I went in because they were pretty much just giving out, you know, hey, you want to come to school and you want us to give us all your money, just come to Seton Hall, um, which is funny because one of the main reasons I went to Seton Hall is because my cousin is a huge Seton Hall basketball fan. To this day, he still is, even though, They've never won a damn thing, but that's besides the point. Um, and I'm like, oh, so, you know, okay, well, I'll go there. And being a fine art major, probably not the right choice. And considering what I owe, again, probably not the right choice. Joe, uh, my co-host, would be our arch enemy because he went to the infamous Rutgers University. Oh, no, he didn't. Tell him to leave. All right, have a good night, Joe, guys. you're going to have to go now. <laughs> okay, wait. Yeah, on. he How did. Well, my work? wife went to Rutgers, too. Seton Hall and Rutgers, how does that even work? Like, we're rivals. I, well, the thing about that is funny is that Seton Hall doesn't have a football team, right? So I, I can't root for them in football. Again, they never win in basketball, so that pretty much be the only thing. But um, it, it is kind of interesting because my wife always takes her little shots and stuff. Interestingly enough, Joe and I have been friends for, what, 20 years? And I don't think once he's ever made an snide comment about Seton Hall. You know, considering that I'm the rich kid who went to who went to that wonderful private university, of course. So you know, but um, all that aside, Carissa, I mean, you know, Seton Hall, money, kidneys, organs, whatever the case is. One of the main reasons we wanted to have you on the air is because of a conversation that we had one time. I remember talking to you and kind of getting to know you, or whatever, through LinkedIn. And I'm listening to the radio one day, and all of a sudden I hear this girl. I'm like, who is this person? She has an amazing radio voice, and she's doing traffic. And I, I, I don't know if it was on um, – honestly, I forget which station it was on. It may have been on WFN, but I'm listening and I'm listening, and I'm just like, wow, this, this girl's really good at what she does. And then I heard the name Carissa Abraham, and like five minutes later, it's only, wait a minute, 
That name sounds familiar. I think I know her. How did, can you tell us how that all came about? Um, I mean, we're going to get into the whole radio thing, of course, and, you know, what you do and whatnot. But tell us, how did you end up on, like, 50 different radio stations? Um, hard work, no sleep, lots of alcohol and Xanax. That's basically how I did it. <laughs> but really, um, I interned at CBS and Westwood One in college as an audio producer, and I was doing voiceover work, and I was co-hosting a show um, on CBS called uh, Zach Sang and the Gang, but now they moved to L.A. So I graduated December 2014. My internship ended, and my aunt, who's a hairdresser in Lyndhurst, New Jersey, has a woman um, who sells her hair products to the salon, uh, works for the company that I worked for, and said, oh, we, you know, want to meet her. We heard that she's into radio and she did all this, uh, she did internships, so why don't, you know, you link up? And I'm like, oh, okay, well, sure. And I was like, I don't want to do traffic. Like, who the hell wants to do traffic? But (laughs) then, um, so I went January 2015. It was right after New Year's Day, went in for an interview, left the interview in tears. Because I had no idea what I was doing. Wait, but wait. I I had no idea. He was asking me all these questions about roadways I've never even heard of. And then I was like, I didn't get this job. Three three weeks later, he called me. Hey, so can you start next week? I was like, oh, my God, you must have been desperate to hire somebody. Um, So I started out as a producer. And then by August, so I started in February. By August 2015, he offered some part-time work doing on-air stuff. I said, okay, no problem. Um, He needed some demos, so I made demos for Z100 and KTU and WOR, and they got approved instantly. I was so blessed because I've always wanted to be on those stations. And then next thing I know, I was filling in while the former traffic anchor in the morning on Z100 was on maternity leave. They picked me to be her replacement. And then by October, she left and made me full-time. Well, well, Carissa, what Dave forgot to tell you was that this is actually an interview to be on Pure Gold. So from now on, (laughs) you're going to call in about 11.15, give us a traffic update, and, uh, you know, we'll we'll go from there. I literally want to – you know what? I kind of – I didn't like you when when I heard you went to Rutgers, but now I'm I'm really not sure if I like you at all. (laughs) Well – Tell us this, though, Carissa. I mean, you explained how you got into the radio, but, like, me and Dave, we love doing this talk uh, sports radio show because we uh, listened and grew up with Mike and the Mad Dog. What was the one person or one show that, like, inspired you to go into radio? Uh, definitely Elvis Duran. Okay. What was uh, what was about him that got you hooked? I don't know. I, I, I He was my alarm clock every morning. I, I would be waking up for school my alarm clock was always Z100, so he was the first person I'd hear in the morning. And to be honest, waking up at 5.30 wasn't that bad when you're listening to Elvis Duran. He's funny, makes you laugh. You have sounds like you have a good time, and it sounded like they were drunk all the time. And who doesn't want to be drunk on the radio at 6 o'clock in the morning? <laughs> yeah, uh, that, now I know why you went to St. Hall, not Rutgers. <laughs> now I know why you went to St. Hall, not Rutgers. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's funny is, you talk about Elvis Duran. I used to listen to him on, uh, well, obviously on Z100 years ago. You probably, uh, you probably still in diapers at the time, Carissa. 
But I remember listening to it, and there was a time, this is about, uh, you know, 12 years ago, I worked at um, Ikea for a few months, and I actually met Danielle Monero. Uh, I don't even know, she's, I think she had just gotten married at the time, but she was doing like a signing or something, and I was working there, and I happened to see her or whatever, and I talked to her for a little bit or whatever, and she was really nice, um, and really kind, you know, and I ended up talking to Carolina Bermudez, who's no longer at D100, but, you know, like talking to them or whatever, and it was cool because I said to myself, oh, well, it's cool, you know, like a radio personality, whatever the case is. But Joe's right. With us, it was always Mike and the Mad Dog. I mean, I remember listening to that as a kid. I remember listening to that program all summer long. Like now, you know, school would be more or less about to end. And I would just spend the whole summer listening to sports talk radio, you know. My wife makes fun of me all the time because when we dated, I'd always have AM radio playing in the car and I'm listening to talk radio. And she, you know, asked me how old I was, you know, if I was like 50 or 60. But... Um, you mentioned Elvis Duran, like I said, and you know that's your inspiration. And for us, of course, it was it was Mike and the Mad Dog. But um, did you can you tell us the stations that you were on? Because I remember listening to you. It was always on different stations, and you know, multiple times or whatever. So that 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 whole thing always threw me off because I'm like, wait a minute, I just heard her on this station, and now she's on this station. I mean, how many how many uh, you know organs did she have to sell, and how many souls did she have to sell just to get these positions? to be on all these different radio stations. So can you tell the listening audience what um what stations you were on and, you know, a little bit about each? Sure. Okay. So because I took over for someone, um, she had a full schedule from 4 a.m. until 12 p.m. doing a WOR, which is 710 a.m., the Mets Radio Network, uh, Z100, KTU, Power 1051, uh, 106.3, 103.3, and another station up in Sussex County. And then I also did uh, about 10 stations up in Hartford and New Haven. And uh, what else? A station, an iHeart station up in Albany. So, Are are there any more? Could you just name like 47 different stations? uh, No, that that would be all. But the terrible thing is that I don't remember half of these stations. Like, of course, I remember Z100, KTU, Power, WOR and, like, the Sussex County stations, but Albany and all the stations up in Hartford and New Haven, no idea. I think well, I know that one of them was ESPN up in Hartford. So let me ask you, how did that work exactly? I mean, were you, like, in the same spot just filling in? Like, how, did you have to drive to – like, how does all that work? Because that's what always confused me, listening to you on multiple <laughs> stations. I mean, you know, were you, like, in one – like, in, in some underground bunker somewhere and just pretending like you're in – Connecticut and New York and New Jersey? No. So everything's syndicated. Um, I'm also, I worked in one studio and I used NextGen to record most of my reports. WOR was sometimes recorded mostly live um, because, you know, they're a talk show and you know Len and Todd, right? Right. Len Berman yes, and of course. Todd. I used to listen to them yeah. in the morning. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that was my main, they were my priority. Like I called them my baby because I would do anything for them and vice versa. So I always made sure that I was on time with them whenever they needed me, which was usually um, three minutes past the hour, then 17 minutes, 35 minutes, and 47 minutes. So I knew that I would need to leave myself at least 20 seconds to switch between the stations. Um, So that, you know, was an ISDN line. Z100 and KTU and Power were super easy. I could pre-record them separately into next gen and then send them over to them. 
the other stations will pre recorded on something we call traffic transmitter, and you literally just hit record, do your thing, and then send it. It was super simple. Well, that that does sound super simple, Carissa. Let me ask you, um, who who is really a nut? nut? <laughs> I'm trying to be polite, nice about this, but who's not a nice person <laughs> on the radio, and who is really nice to you? Like who? Who do you feel like is just like a douche, and then who who do you feel like is a really nice person? Uh, <laughs> a really nice person. Um, wow, that's tough. I well, mean, they're all I terrible. Just, that's good to know. It's a cutthroat business, isn't it? I can't pick one nice person because WOR as a whole treated me like family, and they were always so nice to me. I mean, they're the reason I loved my job so much. I you said love? they were they would email me multiple times a day, hey kid, okay. you sound great today just for no reason. And that <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't have asked for a better relationship with them. But for some I really didn't have a station that wasn't nice to me. I mean I don't, every I don't really, time they, Yeah. Okay. I can't just think of because... any Sorry, sorry, Carissa. I'm just, I was just no, going to say, like, every time me and Dave tried to pitch our show to a radio station, oh, it was like, uh, yeah, you could buy some, you could buy some airtime for $10,000 for five minutes, and uh, Wait, we'll call hold it a Wait, hold on a second. I, I got to tell Carissa this story, because uh, yeah. she pitched you one in the last. So, you know, we were talking off the air, and she was telling me about, you know, some stuff going on or whatever, and she wanted to have a laugh, so I'm going to tell her something that I think is hilarious. So, um, Joe and I, you know, was, I, was, I was the one, I was the producer of the show, there was actually a time, and I don't know if I mentioned this to you before, Carissa, but we were actually on the air in the most bootleg radio station of all time. It was in North New Jersey, 1640 AM, Ironbound Radio. I'm pretty sure the only people who could listen to it were the people within like a five-foot radius of us, but that's a whole other story. So they're sending out the signals on this Portuguese station, and Joe and I are doing this English program, which, of course, I'm sure went over great with the, you know, the eight people listening. But anyway... So we were like, man, you know, this is fun. We're having a good time, but we really want to be on the actual radio, like a real radio station. <clears throat> so I had sent some emails out to a bunch of different places, and I get an email from this guy named Peter, and he says, hey, why don't you guys come in, you know, for an interview? We can talk. So Joe and I, we, we made this interview super early. I'm pretty sure it was for 970 AM, which is located in Hackensack, right by the CSB, you know, the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. So we go, mm-hmm. and we're like, oh, my gosh. What's going to happen? You know, is he, is, how much is he going to offer us? You know, when are we going to do the show? Like, Joe and I, of course, like the little fanboys that we are, we're thinking that this guy is calling us in so that we can, you know, he can give us a time spot or work out some sort of arrangement where we can do a show. And, and you know, I don't care if it's 5 in the morning on Sunday or, like, midnight on a Saturday, whatever. Like, we will pretty much do whatever. Talk about selling your soul. Our souls, were, our souls were sold already. We already had signed them away. So we're talking the entire time. We get together just for hours and hours beforehand and the days leading up to it. Man, I can't wait. Let's go. Let's do this. So we made the appointment. We go in there, and this guy starts talking to us. I mean, like one of the worst voices you've ever heard. Just I just totally like, oh, so good. Like just crazy boring. He was the program director at the time of the station. He's no longer there. So we're listening to him, and we're hearing his feel. And then he starts talking to us about money. And he's like, well, you know, if you want, you guys want to be on the air, I mean, you, I can give you guys like an hour slot, you know, depending on what time you pick, blah, blah, blah. 
uh, early morning Sunday would be the cheapest. We're like, wait a minute, what? Joe and I look at each other like, hold on a second, where's this guy going? So he tells us, Joe, do you remember the amount? Because it was something astronomical, I remember. It was a couple thousand dollars, I believe. Yeah, it was something like, if you guys want to be on the air from 5 to 6 in the morning on a Sunday, where, of course, nobody's listening, you you know, you put, you give us like $900 an hour, and, you know, you guys can be on the air. And our jaws dropped to the floor. We could not believe that this guy was trying to sell us on basically paying him so we can be on the radio. And we were like, wait, where are we going to call for that kind of money? He's like, well, you can, you can sell sponsorship to, to people, and, you know, that you can get companies and stuff. And I'm like, who the hell is going to – what company is going to want to sponsor a program at 5 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday when nobody's listening to the radio, so they're not going to get any money out of it? So we're sitting there, like, listening to this guy talking, and then eventually he starts telling us how he's on Ritalin and he's on this medication. I th- we're pretty sure he was off his meds that day, and he was telling us about, like, how he's on Ritalin and, you know, he's got to calm down and this and that and blah, blah, blah. And Joe and I just sat there. We were so, like, it was basically like a swift kick in the unmentionable. We had built up this opportunity, and we thought, wow, this is going to be amazing. And then we go, and this, this guy who's borderline a junkie is telling us that we have to pay him almost $1,000 to be on the air, which I couldn't believe. Fast forward like three years later, I find out that this guy's like in San Antonio somewhere doing voiceover work, running a station, doing all this other stuff, and Joe and I are still, you know, sitting in our basements trying to do this program. I mean, is, is, that, is that like the, the most, you know, mind-boggling um, inspirational story you've ever heard, or what? Well, I'm going to be honest. That sounds accurate. It's very expensive to get airtime. It's. I know that for a 15 second commercial, so not even a show, just a commercial, is easily twenty five hundred dollars for 15 seconds. Um, at I least. <laughs> So for no, I, I realize that, but the thing with us, the thing that the thing that I couldn't believe was that, you know, the way that he made it seem like he was going to offer us a spot to be on the air, not like, hey, come in and you know give us money, and then yeah, you can you can be on the radio. So we're sitting there like hyping this up as if this is like our big break and we're going to somehow end up on the radio, and then it turns out that we'd have to sell you know our unborn children at the time just to be able to you know to pay for this spot to have nobody listen to us, which we're doing it now for free, so it works out perfectly. We're not paying for this airtime, and we're, we're on Blog Talk Radio versus being on 970, you know, at 2 in the morning on a Sunday when not even my parents would be listening. Yeah, I think what you have now is a lot better than being on the radio, and I know that sounds kind of weird because who doesn't want to be on the radio with the show, but this right. is accessible for a lot of people. Well, that's the thing. The thing about podcasting, you know, Mike, Frances, and all these guys always talk about how it's like the wave of the future. But the thing that gets me about podcasting is that anybody can have a podcast. Like, you and your boyfriend could do a podcast now about, like, the WWE, or you can do a podcast about uh, what you had for dinner. And, you know, eventually somebody will tune into it. But, you know, still, I guess the most coveted spots would be on, like, talk radio. Because we listen to WFAN, so, you know, we mentioned Mike Frances, and he's retiring this year. So somebody's going to get that drive time, prime time spot. And when I listen to certain people, I'm not going to name any names, not to be offensive. Actually, people we've had on the show, and I think Joe knows exactly who I'm talking about. But you listen to these people, and it's like, how in the world is this guy on the radio getting paid to do this? You know? And that, well, I guess that's yeah. the part about radio that always baffled me. Well, it all comes down to the dollar sign. When you, like, think about it, 
let's say whoever you're talking about, I don't know who you're talking about, but the person that you're... Oh, you don't want to know. Okay, well, whoever this person is, they obviously have to be bringing in a serious amount of revenue, and that's the only reason that they keep them. They could be absolutely horrible, but if they're bringing in a significant amount of money, then they're always going to keep them. Well, the thing is, like, this specific person that, that Joe and I loathe, you know, with a passion, um, they're, they're, on the, they're on a time slot, like a midday time slot, and they've had, you know, WFN, they've had tons of people in this time slot. They always have two people, you know, partners or whatever. So they've had, like, for years rotating different people. Now, this specific person has been on the air there for a long time, but I can't imagine that they're bringing in any serious revenue because they just – they could put you in there and you can sit there and read traffic for an hour. And I mean, people are still going to listen to it because it's WFN and it's, you know, the midday show. So um, that, that's what I mean. That's I, I get what you're saying in terms of like a, a drive time, Mike Francesca, like, yeah, you got to have a big, uh, or, you know, Mike and Mike or whatever, you got to have a big mm-hmm. audience or Elvis Duran. But I mean, you could put like your cat for three hours uh, in the middle of the day in the same time slot talking about sports and somebody's going to listen to it. And, so, the, so that's kind of the part that gets me where, you know, again, you having been in the radio business for however long you were in it, you have kind of a better understanding of that. It's tricky because, like like I said, it all comes down to money. So, like, like what you just said, you know, you could put your cat in there, you know, and talk about whatever for however long. But if it's bringing in money, then they don't care how crappy the content is as long as it's bringing in some kind of money. My friend used to work for Arbitron, which was the, um, I guess they did ratings for the, the radio stations. Do yes. you know how that oh works, Carissa, works. exactly? Yes. I was a little confused about that. So um, there used to be this tracker where, this is back in the day, like probably I'm going to say the 70s and the 80s, probably not the 90s, but these special trackers um, would be sent to households, and they would literally track your listening time. So anytime you're, you were listening to the radio, you would log it. It was called um, a portable people meter. And you would literally just track whatever you were listening to, whenever you were listening to it, and however long you were listening to it for. So now the way they do it, it's so much different Um they kind of do it based off of online listening because I'm sure you know by now online listening is so much more popular than listening to the car because people now, a lot of people subscribe to Sirius because they don't want to deal with all of the commercials on mainstream radio. So now it's mostly... Go ahead. Go ahead. You brought up up Sirius, which was a real quick question. Me and Dave always wondered how people actually have shows on Sirius because yeah, we never exactly. understood how they track ratings. Yeah, we were told, check this out, Carissa, we, you were talking about arbitrary ratings, and we'll get back to that in a second, but we were told by somebody who, again, this person we now detest, and it's the same person we were just talking about, but um, he told us, he, not a she, but he, he told us that um, when it came to Sirius, the only thing that mattered was that people would call in your show. And, like, I used to listen to this show on there called Busted Open, and I liked it. It's a radio uh, wrestling program or whatever the case is. But these guys would always talk about it. They'd have a full bank of callers, and that's all. They would have a full bank. They'd say that all the time. But it was always like the same 10, and I no exaggeration, the same 10 or 15 people calling every single day. 
And then this person, who again used to be on Sirius, was now on WFN, was telling us that that was how they did it. As long as you had people calling in the show, that that's they don't track ratings. That's what matters. But it doesn't make any sense to me because, all right, again, going back to the example we're given. So Carissa and her cat are doing a show. I'm not sure if you have a cat, but let's say you had a cat. Carissa and her cat are doing a show. Okay, perfect. Carissa and her dog are doing a show about how much they hate cats for three hours on Sirius, you know, uh, XM radio. And, you know, people are calling in, dog lovers, cat lovers are calling in. The same eight or nine people who happen to be all your next-door neighbors are calling in to tell you about why they like this cat, why they like that dog. You know, and you're arguing with them and yelling at them. And since it's serious, you know, you're dropping uh, bombs on them, as it were. So as long as those 8 or 9 or 10 or 15 people are calling in, which could be your family that you've paid off, you would still have a job. That, that's what baffles me. Like, how, how does something like that work? And who, you know, who do we have to suck up to? Who do we have to, you know, do whatever we have to do to get a, a gig like that? Well, to be honest, what you were told is partially true, but not 100%. Um, like I said before, it comes down to money. So with serious people are paying for this service. So right. you'd be surprised how many people have serious radio. And with that, you know, it's a lot of money a year. So that is literally keeping these stations going, alive, whatever you want to call it. Yes, they are tracking right, right. phone calls. Um, otherwise, they, they don't track serious ratings. But I know I have two friends, uh, two of my best friends work for Sirius. One of them is a morning show producer for um, a big-time show. And hers is very different because she runs social media, and they actually have a huge following. My other friend works for a political talk show, and sometimes he's got to go to the bathroom and, like, take a phone call. Wait, really? Like yep. he's the one calling in? Like he's pretending he's calling in? Yeah. Really? Yep. That's yep. interesting. How, how does that work, though? Because, I mean, you know, it, wouldn't they know? I, not the host, I mean, but, like, wouldn't the station know that you're faking phone calls? Um, the, the question is, do they care? But, I mean, why wouldn't they, though? Like, what? Why, why would Carissa be, you know, faking phone calls to, you know, paying her boyfriend off to, to call her show, her cat and dog show that she's doing? So uh, that, that's kind of what I'm saying. Like, the, the, what I find interesting is that your other friend, the one who's, you know, the social media and the big following, and then you have, the, like, the complete opposite end of the spectrum with the political thing. So, I mean, how does that work on, on the other show where nobody's calling in? Oh, well, the other thing is, you know what they also rely on? Text messages. A lot of people text into the show. And I think, based off of what I've seen, my friend who works for the political show, he is often Snapchatting me text messages from listeners. He gets a lot more text messages than he does phone calls. And those text messages sometimes start wars. And then the person who sent a particular message in, he'll call into the show sometimes. Oh, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, that, that's the thing that we've always wanted to, like, we've, we've kind of always been interested in getting the fan interaction and stuff like that. Because to me, that, like, that's what makes it interesting. Like, Joe and I have done shows literally we're just sitting here talking crap for, like, two hours. And, you know, nobody's listening. And then there was a time uh, earlier in our run where we had better hours. We were on, like, 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock. And we actually have people listening and have, you know, people listening after the fact or whatever. 
but it's always kind of been that fan interaction that we've always wanted, you know, to have that. So, you know, we would, not that we'd fake phone calls, but we'd have people call in or whatever the case is. Like, um, you know, our dads would call in and, and we would, the best part is like my dad would call in, right? And we would treat him like he was a complete stranger. You know, I wouldn't say, hey, my, hey, dad, how are you? It's like, oh, you know, Angel from Woodland Park. And he would call in and talk nonsense. And then he would sit here and say, oh, you guys are the best. And you guys are awesome. And I love listening to you guys. And you guys should be on the radio. And, of course, I'd have to cut him off because at one point it's like, all right, you calm down, sir. You're being, you know, ridiculous. But, you know, we've had, like, random people, friends, and just, just like, strangers. I remember we were doing a show once. Um, Joe, Joe used to work at Whole Foods before, you know, they fired him for uh, embezzling money. But that's a whole other story. So we did, right. yeah, we did, we did a Amazon. live show, yeah, before yeah. Amazon, of course. Um, we did an entire live show in person at the store where we had some guests and some people who came on the air or whatever, and we had somebody calling in from, like, Indianapolis. It was the Super Bowl with the Colts, and I forget who at the time. Um, oh, it was the like Giants and the Patriots. What? Oh, was it? Oh, I'm sorry, Giants and the Patriots. But this guy was calling in from – it was in Indianapolis. That's what it was. And That's this guy was. was calling – he was calling, like, Elwood or something was calling in. And we were just amazed, like, who the hell is this guy? And this guy finds us. We used to get random people calling from, like, Russia and talk to us about, you know, Vladimir Putin and all kinds of other stuff. But that's the whole story. So that's kind of been the interesting thing there. Now, on your end, Chris, on the flip side, with you having done radio, being on the air, you know, the huge celebrity that you are, I mean, the paparazzi and stuff following you everywhere, um, did you ever get any sort of, like, fan interaction, other than me, of course, are people calling in or, or not to talk to you about traffic, but uh, social media, whatever the case is, like, you know, following you because, oh, you have, you do a great job on, you know, 87 different stations? Um, actually, believe it or not, yes. And when I started I don't out, believe it. No, wait, I've got, we got time because i got a couple stories. Because yeah. <laughs> you, you, you'd actually, I was very surprised. Because when I started out, in my head, I'm just like, okay, I'm doing traffic. I am on the air for a minute, maybe three or maybe four times an hour. WOR was four times an hour for a minute or so. The other stations sometimes were only 20 seconds, three times an hour, or even twice an hour. So I'm like, really, who's listening to me? Who's paying attention to the traffic reports on, you know, a a non-talk show? Right, because people are usually tuned in to the music or whatever. So, and it's funny now that I'm I'm not working there anymore. I still get fan interaction. But the first thing that I ever received was flowers sent to my office. Really? Yes, a beautiful bouquet of flowers, and they just were a fan. I was like, oh, thanks. Uh, I think. I mean. How did you it wasn't anybody name, named. Wait a minute! It wasn't anybody named Joe, was it? Named two? <laughs> it wasn't anybody named Joe, was it? I just want to make sure. <laughs> right over your head, Carissa. Yeah. Keep going. <laughs> I'm pretty sure his name was Joe. <laughs> it was no, that's all. Is that your boyfriend's but, name too? Anyway, <laughs> continue. No, my friend's name is not Joe. All right. But. Um, what else? Um, I used to actually, there were, one of the weird things was that I used to get these Twitter stalkers that would actually harass me and a couple of other members of a certain morning show that I was on. And that escalated quickly. I had to block them, report them to Twitter, and then like 
the other party that was involved from the station decided to do an investigation because it was serious harassment on Twitter. When you say serious harassment, I mean, obviously I don't want you to give us, like, explicit details, but what do you mean by serious harassment? Just, you know, saying, making up rumors like, oh, Carissa's having an affair with Donald Trump. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Oh, wow, that's pretty interesting. (laughs) Right? Like, I'm like, oh, okay, like, Carissa, Donald Trump, yeah, that's that's fine. He's old enough to be my grandfather, but. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. So, all right, so this person or these people were harassing you, and then you, you blocked them, or they did an investigation, then what yeah. happened? Um, that, no, that was really it. I guess the, the person was like, um, he, he just went away, which was great. So whatever happened to him, good. But um, what else would I get? I got messages on Twitter, Instagram. Ironically, today, because you know today's National Selfie Day, and who do you think I am, the queen of selfies? So I had to post a selfie on Insta, and there was a former listener of mine who commented on my picture, and he actually said something like, oh, when are you coming back to the mornings? Um, I liked you a lot better than whoever else is doing it now. I said, ooh, that's a good burn, but thank you. (laughs) So it's very nice. It's humbling and warming because people actually take the time to think about you during the day. Right. Well, I always told you that, you know, after like talking to you, quote unquote, and then hearing you on the radio, I said, well, you know, I always said you have a good voice for radio. You sound like somebody who could be on the radio. I mean, you did traffic or whatever. You mentioned like who the hell wants to do traffic, but did you, were your aspirations, because this is kind of obviously, you know, allegedly, supposedly so-called in big quotations and interview. Um, did you want to do a radio show? Like, like what was your, your whole end game, your goal, your dreams? I mean, other than, of course, having an affair with Donald Trump, like you mentioned before, what was your actual big um, like, uh, goals and dreams and aspirations that you wanted to do? I mean, did you want to do your own radio show? or well, Tell us about that. Yes, I definitely would love to be a co-host on a radio show. So uh, long story short, when I was in college, not only did I – DJ and co-host on WSOU. Um, I was the morning drive DJ on Fridays from 6 to 10, and then I co-hosted a show on Friday evenings 4 to 8 p.m., and then I also co-hosted some specialty shows like Vintage 80s, which is like hair metal and all that goodness, like Judas Priest, but I also co-hosted an online radio show, and that was, I want to say about a year that I did that. And I was the not-so-stereotypical female perspective, like, of the show. And it was real stuff. Right. It was a talk show. Um, We talked about everything, music, sports, politics, relationships, you name it, we talked about it. And I really like that. Um, (laughs) Kristen, we have good news for you. Yeah. Thank goodness for you. (laughs) Our show is about everything and anything, and we've decided that after talking to you for the first 40 minutes of our show that you are hired and you are now a co-host of Pure Gold. I'm, you know what? I'm okay with that. I'm thrilled. Just just so you know, you're you're not going to make any money off of this. In fact, we're going to require you to pay us, but that's a whole other story. (laughs) So we do appreciate, you know, of course, you spending all this time with us. And it's funny because one of the things that Joe and I always do, we always kind of mess, like we have a lot of, we've had a lot of great guests on this show who've come in like four, five, and six times. And I'm always looking for a way to replace Joe. Although we've been friends for 20 years, I really, I secretly hate him. 
So I've been thinking, like, how can I get rid of this guy? So every time we have a guest on the show, um, it's like, oh, maybe this person can be my, my next co-host. Oh, maybe this person. So that's it. You've got the job, Carissa. You're the co-host. That's it. Like, you know, Joe, you can pack your bags. You're gone. We'll have you call in and do the traffic and the weather while, you know, Carissa and I are talking <laughs> about uh, fa- fashion and, you know, all kinds of politics and things. Well, it's funny because one of the things, Carissa, um, you, you might find this interesting. Maybe not. I don't know. But I thought it was interesting. Joe and I originally, when we did the show, our tagline was um, the show about, no, the uh, sports life and everything in between. That was our thing. Mm-hmm. Eventually it morphed into, uh, you know, anything and everything, and we tell like it is. That's our thing now. So I'm listening to, you know, um, Sirius XM, and I hear this guy, Dino Costa. And Dino was on uh, Chris Russo, the Mad Dog Station, years ago, and he's doing a sports show or whatever. And then he does his tagline. I look at his website. I'm like, oh, cool. Maybe I can get this guy on the show. Because what I did originally, I would find somebody interesting and say, oh, I like I liked their, you know, the way they talk or whatever they talk about. And I would find them, whether it was on Twitter, Facebook, whatever, and I would email them or email the producers to try to get them on. So I go on Dino's website, and his tagline is sports, life, and everything in between. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, Joe, we just ripped off. This, this guy's, like, nationally syndicated, and we mistakenly ripped off his tagline. We better change this before we end up in jail because, I mean, I don't know about Joe, but I, I don't think I'll do good in prison orange. It doesn't do anything for my, my complexion. But we ended up changing it after we had used it for, like, three years, and then now it's, it's something else. So, you know, we're always kind of, like, trying to do something different and talk about it. But we literally talk about anything. Yeah, we mostly talk about how much we hate the WWE, uh, how horrible the Mets are, and, you know, whatever, <laughs> something sports-related. But we also talk about politics. During the election, we talked a lot about that. Um, we've talked about social issues. Uh, we've never really talked about fashion. That's a whole other story. But for the most part, like, Joe and I will talk about comics or movies or whatever. So our show is very much like a huge variety thing. And even having you on, like, you have all these different life experiences and things that you've done and, you know, um, just all this, this interesting stuff to us because, like, in, in our minds, you lived the dream. Yeah, you're doing traffic or whatever, but you were actually on the radio. You know, Carissa Abraham, so-and-so, like, they're announcing you, Lennon Todd, uh, Carissa Abraham with traffic, you know, in some underground bunker somewhere. So to us, like, that's kind of the dream. And for anybody out there who might be listening, give them, you know, you have any sort of advice? Because I know currently you're not doing that now, and you had told me off the air what happened, um, you know, all – Whatever the case is, so I'm not going to say that, nothing bad, of course, but um, I was going to make a joke there, but I wasn't sure, if, you know, how that would go over. So I was like, let me not say anything. I had to, you know, c- contain myself because I love to make this stupid joke. Uh, uh, let's any, hear your joke. Any... Let's hear your joke now. <laughs> um, I know I was going to say something to the effect of, like, you know, you mentioned, like, lawsuits and harassments and, you know, things of that nature. So, of course, you know, the reason that you're not on the air is because, You've been involved in so many and been at the center of them, and you know you being the common denominator, ratings going down, things like that because you're harassing your your co-host. But can you tell us what advice would you have for somebody who wanted to get into radio? Um, honestly, I, and I will tell this to anybody, whether you're in high school, college, or you're 40 years old trying to get into radio, don't. Damn, I'm 40. Num- number one, don't give up and <laughs> don't let. Any- I can't believe Wait, hold on, hold on a second, Carissa. Can you say that again? What was that? <laughs> oh, you're... You, <laughs> you know what? You're fired from your own show. You're fired oh, from your own show. Nice. I'm, I'm going to be Joe's new co-host. Yeah, How Nikki Boyer says... Carissa? You guys are awesome. Thanks, Nikki. 
Go to hell. <laughs> anyway, so what were you saying, Carissa? Please tell us. We <laughs> were saying that, you know, no matter what, don't, number one, don't give up and don't ever let anybody tell you that you can't do something because that was my biggest driving factor. I had a lot of people telling me, oh, you're never going to be on the radio. You'll never be on Z100. And I'm like, okay, watch me. And by 21 years old, I did it. So just don't, you know, don't ever get discouraged and just keep trying. Even if you feel like you're not good enough, don't ever think that. Like, you are good enough. You can do it. Don't give up. All that. Keep going. You know, it's funny because this, this whole, this whole um, interview went from, you know, happy-go-lucky fun so now it's turned into like, uh, you know, it's like I'm listening to a show for five-year-olds where the, the people are saying, you know, to little girls, you have to make sure, you know, to live out your dreams and everything. So as I have, you know, nothing but daughters in my house, it's, it's kind of interesting you mention that. But to me, the most important thing is if you were going to tell somebody about the radio, would you tell them this? I like turtles. I mean, is that <laughs> something that is really important or what do you think? I hate, I, I hate you guys already. <laughs> well, hate is a very strong word. <laughs> to be honest, I, I'm pretty sure I have some kind of like ADD, so I'd probably come out with something like that. Yeah, I'm sure you would. Well, the funny thing is, right, Joe and I, we're always talking about the radio and stuff like that and everything, wanting to be on the air. And uh, Joe was actually interviewed by uh, the most famous radio personality of all time. And one of the things he asked us was, uh, was this. Are we out of your homes? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, Mike Francesa wanted, <laughs> wanted to know about Joe doing stuff out of your home. And it's funny because my <laughs> wife despises Mike Francesa. She hates him. But whenever someone says home, she'll always turn to me and say, are you home? You know, just like that because, uh, of course, Joe uh, You have Mike a knows. show on the Internet? Yeah, we have a show on the Internet. Um, and, yeah, anyway, so this is one of the things we do, Chris. This is the kind of show that we do. It's, it's like ADD, but, you know, with – with twice the uh, you know stuff to the power, Joe. I like to get Joe to say something so that I can either insult him or berate him or whatever. Uh, most of our clips are actually clips of people plugging the show, past guests and things like that. But a lot of them are also things like this. And this would go out for uh, some of these special listeners right now. <laughs> hey, Carissa, listen. We, <laughs> we thank you so much for taking like four hours out of your day. Um, to be on the show, really, I know that you've been looking forward to this all day. You didn't sleep last night. I mean, you haven't eaten all day. This has been like the highlight of your your. I wouldn't say your life, but pretty close. So we thank you so much for just taking the time out to you know spend with us. Of course, the checks in the mail. You know, don't cash it because it won't clear. But um, it's it's really been a pleasure <laughs> just talking to you and you know having you on the air and. We're living the good old days at Seton Hall and, you know, all that other stuff. But um, hopefully we'll be able to have you on the air again, too. And uh, I wasn't kidding, by the way. I'm firing Joe, and you can just start next week. So, you know, we'll we'll work out the details. You need a little sass in your show. You're hired. Wait, 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 no, wait a second. No, wait a second, David. Wait, David. David. You'll start with the traffic. First of all, wait, first of all, wait a second. Wait a second, David, for a second. Let me start. Wait a second. Chris, you're hired. Sorry. I had to throw that in. That's one of my favorite clips ever. So what were you saying, something about sass? Or, I, I, I'm sorry, I tuned out. Uh, no, you you definitely need some sass in your show. I mean, hello. I'm like the queen of selfies. I'm the queen of sass. Pretty sure. I don't know, Joe. You don't sound that sassy. Yeah, I'm not a sassy kind of girl, guy. 
Well, well, it's funny because I'm, before you called in, sorry, Chris, hold on real quick. Before you called in, um, there's one, Joe, Joe's pretty much, he's very level, very calm, whatever. But before you called in, we, I was going nuts with the sound bites because there was one episode where Joe basically went completely insane and he just started yelling. He was super pissed off at the Jets because they're garbage. That's the whole story. It was a, it was a horrible, I think someday they had done something. I don't know if they got shut out or whatever the case is. But Joe pretty much went nuts. And he, th- this was pretty much the entire show for like, like maybe ten minutes of Joe. This is what it was. In case you need translation, that was Jets go to hell. Next Jets needs somebody to throw to. Shame oh on you. Stop smoking the Woody Johnson crack pipe. That oh was like God. ten minutes, Carissa. Ten minutes of Joe just going, and I was literally laughing. The entire time because I, you know, I, I muted myself. Joe was just going absolutely nuts for like ten minutes on the Jets, and it was one of the funniest, one of the best moments in the history of our show. And that was the one time Joe had sass. Other than that, he's not very sassy. That's pretty funny. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I've definitely had some meltdowns like off the air. I've definitely thrown a chair or two in my uh, career. Shame on you. <laughs> that was perfect. Yeah, no, that was perfect timing. I definitely wait. Hold on. What in the world would make you? You're doing traffic. What in the world would make you throw a chair while doing traffic? You would be surprised. Sometimes producers are really off their a game, and you know I'm delivering a service that people really rely on. It's going to determine whether they take the upper or the lower level of the George Washington Bridge. If I make, if I say one wrong thing, and screw up their path to work, they're going to be pissed and they're going to, you know, say mean things about me, and, and that's not what I want. But there have <laughs> been times where you know producers put the wrong information in, and then I, you know, because I rely on them. I go on the air, say what I say, and it turns out, oh, we made a mistake, or, oh, this person, you know, put the wrong thing in or whatever, and then that screws me up. So I've had, you know, and moments. Um, I definitely, um, I'm going to say, I want to say this is in February, I actually went out there and called one of the producers incompetent. I, I really did, and I felt so bad that I bought the kid a cup of coffee. But, you know... <laughs> Was it Al Duke? I think the one of the things was that at least for WOR, um, because they're you know heard online too. That was a solid you know two million listeners. Right. So like okay, two million people just heard me screw up. That's not okay. Although now with the Mets on the air, they've probably lost all those listeners because the Mets are horrible. But that's a whole other story. The Mets are um, horrible. They are horrible. They really are. Yeah, they're horrible. I went to see them. I live in Tennessee now, um, and I went to see them because I'm not too far from Atlanta. I went to see them a couple weeks ago, and they, of course, got embarrassed. The the one game that I go to, the Mets end up losing, but that's a whole other story. Anyway, Carissa, we can have you on all night. We could talk to you for hours and hours on end. I mean, really, you know, at the end of the day, the only, the only thing that matters is this. You make us all sick! Oh, wait, that was the wrong clip. I'm, I'm, so, I'm sorry about that. That was the wrong clip, but... <laughs> <laughs> again, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Hopefully, we'll have you on again soon. Um, and Joe's off next to week. do the traffic. That's still fans. Yeah, <laughs> if you want to do the traffic at midnight, you know, in the Cotillac Bridge, please. I tell us all about that. 
<laughs> thank you so much. Thank no, you. thank you for calling, Chris. We appreciate it. Uh, thank you, and we will talk to you soon. Uh, enough. We thank you enough. <laughs> Have a good night, Chris. You too. <laughs> All right. Take care. Bye, folks. That was the one and only, the incomparable, the incredible, probably up there, top ten greatest interviews of all time. Carissa Abraham, just you know, one of a kind, like no one else. Um, and that was definitely a fun interview. I don't know what happened to us there. There, there used to. This reminds me of the Kevin, not in a bad way, but the Kevin Knight interview we did, where he just took over the show, and we did an hour with Kevin Knight, where you and I didn't talk. Except this time, we pretty much did another hour. The last time we had an interview with Amy Rodriguez, it was literally an hour of us talking to her just about everything. And the same thing with Carissa just now. So uh, we used to be able to do 10, 15 minute interviews, and now we do interviews. It's like uh, 800 people. But listen, uh, sir. We got to take, a, I guess you could say, a quick break, even though we don't really do breaks. Um, let, let's just uh, shift gears for a second because there's so much we have to talk about. And we actually have someone calling in who I know this specifically what this person wants to talk about. So uh, we will get to that in a second right after this. And I'm playing this clip because uh, I'll tell you right after this. This is Dick Grayson, better known as Robin or Nightwing. And when I'm not fighting crime with or without Batman in Gotham City, I'm listening to Pure Gold. You, you gotta love that. The reason I bring that up is because Lauren Lester is once again doing the voice of Nightwing, which is amazing. One of the greatest things I ever read in my life was when Lauren was doing that um, the voice because obviously he did it for so many years on Batman the Animated Series. Got two words for you: Pure <laughs> Gold. And for those of you listening out there, in case you're wondering who that was, that was the Road Dog, who is now a producer in the WWE. And speaking of the WWE, sir, we have so many things to talk about. I don't even know if we're going to be able to get to anything because Carissa just wanted to talk to for a whole hour. So, you know, we gotta we got to move right along. But, sir, where do you want to start? Uh, we have a guest here. Well, not a guest, a caller calling in. And uh, I'm sorry, who is this and where are you calling from? <laughs> My name is uh, Fred, and I'm calling from Union, New Jersey. Wait, Fred? Did you say Fred? Fred, yep. Okay, just want to make sure enough. Fred, uh, very interesting. Fred, uh, maybe this is Fred Wilpon calling in to talk to us about the Mets, but listen, Fred, so Joe and I, obviously, we, we talk about the WWE. You know, we're, we've been lifelong fans, although we pretty much hate it. I've heard stories about you. I'm not sure if they're true or not, but is it true that you're like a huge, diehard WWE fan to the point where sure. you you won't even like take vacation if it's not centered around a wrestling event. Is that true? Are the rumors true? The, the rumors are true. Uh, unlike a lot of rumors in wrestling, that one actually is true. A lot of my All vacations right, now, wrestling and half my life. <laughs> this is Ken Reedy? No. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. It's funny because uh, although you know, I know, I know, I'm not going to name the person, but I know somebody who knows uh, Mr. Did. Fred here. Yeah, no, I didn't say the name. Not Ken Reedy. Forget about Ken Reedy. But no, I, I, the person that uh, I guess uh, set this up for, for Fred to call uh, paid him handsomely to come on the air. But it's funny because he, you know, they mentioned to me the whole vacation thing, and it reminds me of a former guest that we had. which you just mentioned, Joe and Ken Reedy. Now, Fred, I got to ask you because Joe and I all we we pretty much spent. We pretty much spend, like, hours ripping the WWE. Are you one of these nut jobs who loves the WWE and loves everything they do and, you know, like, they can't do any wrong? I, I got to know that off the bat because I have – we pretty much have nothing good to say about it, although we're still somehow fans. So is that the kind of thing you are? Tell us a little bit about that. 
Um, yeah, pretty much. I mean, I, I look at it like this. Uh, you're going to watch a lot of movies. Some movies are going to be good. Some movies aren't. So just like an episode of Raw, some is some of them are going to be good. Some of them aren't. Um, but I do enjoy pretty much everything they do. I try to see the, you know, the good and what they put on in the show, at least take a segment or two and be like, well, that was pretty decent. And I mean, there are times where you're scratching your head at the end of the show. Like, are they serious right now? But, uh, for the most part, it's funny. Wait, hold on. I I don't mean to cut you off, but it's funny. You mentioned what you just said makes no sense to me. And let me, let me just explain because, you know, I've heard like, oh, this guy loves wrestling, blah, blah, blah. Well, you literally just said that you try to take, like, one segment out of the show, which is what Joe and I do, and say, oh, this is decent. But then, like, I'll sit there and say the rest of this is crap. Let me give you an example. Last night, um, did you happen to catch SmackDown? I did. Okay. So last night, obviously, they had the whole Money in the Bank thing on Sunday. Uh, You know, Joe has a WWE network. Uh, Sometimes I'll watch. But lately, I haven't been, especially not on Father's Day, but that's a whole other story. So... The women's Money in the Bank ladder match happened with Carmella, right? Carmella ends up winning because of James Ellsworth, the outfit interference. Joe and I used to do this thing. It was like a bit that we did. It was really funny to us, of course. It was basically like years and years ago, uh, John Cena and Randy Orton were, were embroiled in this feud that literally never ended. It went on for like years and years, it seemed like. Oh, and yeah. it, was always, it was always like these ridiculous um, – the way that they got into matches was always ridiculous. It was, like, it was like John Cena would win four pay-per-views in a row, and then Randy Orton would come out and kind of promo like, oh, I know you just beat me for the last four months, John, but uh, I'm still better than you, and I demand that you put your title on the line. And John Cena would say something like, you know what, Randy? Yeah, I've beaten you for the last year straight, and you have no right to get a title shot, but I'm going to give you one anyway. And it basically, it was lacking all logic. So last night, I'm watching uh, the Money in the Bank thing with Carmella. I was watching that, you know, whatever. And she cuts this great promo, which I actually liked. I thought she did a great job about, you know, mm-hmm. how she won, outside interference, et cetera, et cetera. And they spend the entire episode talking about, you know, is she going to keep it or whatever. Daniel Bryan says repeatedly how she, you know, she didn't cheat and uh, there's no rules and blah, blah, blah. But then at the end of the show, they end up taking the title shot away from her and then making the match for next week. As a fan, Fred, if your name really is Fred, that is, how do you tell us, how do you defend that? Because to me, it's like indefensible, that, that whole nonsense that I spent, you know, all this time watching. How do you go from, yeah, well, you know, she didn't cheat and the rules don't say anything to, you know what, you didn't cheat, but we're going to take the title match away from you anyway. Well, I looked at it like this. I mean, basically, I think the, the whole idea was technically, yeah, she didn't cheat. Technically, there was nothing in the rules that said she couldn't do that because in a Money in the Bank ladder match, there aren't any rules, right, as they specified on SmackDown. But it still didn't make it right. So Daniel Bryan decided, even though she didn't break any rules, it wasn't the right way to win. And being that SmackDown is, quote-unquote, the land of opportunity, he wanted somebody to get the opportunity fair and square. So I think it wasn't a case of whether she broke the rules or not. It was just a case of she didn't do the right thing. and She didn't win it the right way. Um, And I guess to keep integrity on the show and, you know, with the women on SmackDown and wrestling in general, you know, he wanted to make that decision. Right. You know, but Fred, which, I think, I think in the end he made the right decision. Yeah, I disagree, but <laughs> we're not going to dispute that. We'll be here forever. <laughs> uh, here's, here's the thing. A lot of people were upset about what happened on Sunday, right? Uh, you know, yeah. this whole women's revolution, and then they go right, and do a right. thing like this where they have a guy win. But 
so I look at it more in the business sense, like, okay, well, everybody was talking about that, good, bad, or indifferent. Everybody was talking about it Sunday night, all through Monday, all Tuesday. Everybody was talking about that going into SmackDown. And then they ended up, in the end, getting everybody talking about it, everybody to tune into SmackDown, and now you're going to get another Money in the Bank match next Tuesday on SmackDown, and hopefully we'll have a rightful winner. So basically... They got everybody hook, line, and sinker. Here we are on Wednesday, and we're still talking about the situation. So I think, you know, in the end, business-wise, it was the right call. Just like Ginger Mahal winning the title a couple months. Everybody was up in arms about oh, it. Oh, jeez. Let's, let's, let's not even go there. Cause we Fred. could spend hours talking about that debacle. But, Joe, you <laughs> chime in here, please. Let's, please. Let's, please, I'm about to hang up. Um, so, Fred, <laughs> what, what, what show do you like better, Raw, Raw or SmackDown, and why? Um, well... I will say this. I think sometimes SmackDown is, is a better show. I think that a lot of that has to do with the fact that it's two hours. Uh, right. And I agree. Even though that. SmackDown is live, which does make a difference, there's still something, yeah. just a different feel about Raw. Whether Raw's not necessarily as good as SmackDown, I just have a more uh, feel of importance on Raw. Um, and I do think that three hours is, is, is a lot, and that's coming from a huge fan. But do three hours right. a week is a you know, a little much, um, but Raw just still feels bigger to me. Do you watch? Do you well, watch I, live or do you DVR it? Uh, Raw, I watch live. SmackDown, I usually catch on DVR either after it airs or Wednesday morning or something like that. So there, there you go, right Hold there. On. So I got to cut you off here real quick. So Fred, you do? Uh, I'm assuming you work, right? Like you work in the morning. You you wake up early, go to work. How do you spend yeah. three plus hours of your life watching Raw live? Because to me, it's like that that's unfathomable without fathom. I can't sit there and watch three hours of that show. I can't even sit and watch a paper. I mean, obviously, I have kids and stuff like that. And my wife would probably whip me with the WWE title belt that I have hanging in my closet right now. But that's besides the point. I can't devote three hours of my life to watch it. So you, you know, being a function, hopefully at least a functioning member of society, how do you do three hours of watching Raw Live? I just can't even, I can't even believe that. I just do it. That's my that's my Monday night. I come home from work, have a little bit of dinner, and then I sit down and uh, watch the show. And you know, I do it every Monday. That's just my routine hey, on Monday. Yeah, Fred, is it that's, insulting that's to the fans though that they go to two commercial breaks during the match? Oh, would you stop it with the commercial breaks, Fred? Fred, just so you know, Joe has. Fred, I want to know. It's like, hold on, hold on, uh, Fred, real quick. Joe has. I've known this guy my entire life. This guy has this thing where he hates. Uh, he hates interruptions and matches, which is funny because I was watching SmackDown and they had the, the Chad Gable fighting uh, Kevin Owens for the U.S. title, and there was in like three minutes into the match, there was there was a commercial break, and I thought, oh man, Joe must be loving this right now. But he right. has this like crazy crazy pet peeve to the point of an ad nausea where he just hates any sort of interruptions and matches, and he starts foaming at the mouth like rabies infested dog. Tell us your opinion on that whole thing. I mean, but bottom line, I mean, I don't really think it's much of a big deal. I mean, I could understand the disconnect. You know, you're in the middle of a match, and then it just basically stops, and then we pick it up again. But, you know, I really don't think it's, you know, it's business. I mean, you, you know, they had to take commercial breaks, and then people would be complaining if the matches were short where they only lasted, you know, between a break. Then people would complain that the matches weren't long enough. So it's, you know, one or the other. If you want a long, solid match, you're going to have to go through at least one to two commercial breaks to get that, you know. So, 
All right, Fred, well, I, I need to ask reason... you this question now. Wait, wait, I need to ask this question. All right, Fred, do you like wrestling now or during the Attitude Era when there was like a rival oh, between the WCW and WWE? I, I need to know no, if you like the wrestling now or, or back then. No, I will be honest. Uh, the Attitude Era is what got me into wrestling, and I still, you know, regard that time as probably the best period in the history of wrestling. That said, there are certain things that they did back then. <laughs> they were to do now, people would be like, are you kidding me? Like, people would, you know, crap all over it. But back then, because it was that time period, everybody thought it was great. Um, but no, I mean, it was a different time. You know, they were allowed to do more, you know, uh, risque things, and they just had a roster of guys that everybody was over. You know, everybody was popular, and everybody from the main eventer to the opening, you know, card guy, all had some right. kind of storyline going on. It was a different time. Well, I mean, there's no doubt about that. That was the best, well, the best time in wrestling history. I mean, let, let's be let's be honest here for a second, Fred. If I can call you Fred, I mean, who doesn't mm-hmm. need to watch a little? Who doesn't just need compulsively need a little necrophilia in their wrestling match? I mean, you know, you're watching Raw. You got you got to see Triple H dressed up like Kane in a coffin. I mean, that 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 that's the type of a wonderful story writing that just gets people hooked. I mean, to me, you make fun of people make fun of wrestling all the time. I'm being facetious, by the way. People make fun of wrestling all the time, like, oh, you know, it's fake, right? Of course, it's fake. That's a perfect example. And there's so many terrible storylines in the Attitude Era. To me, the Attitude Era was good. It was interesting, but I think like 80% of it was horrible. You know, I remember Val Venus with the whole choppy choppy incident. Um, right. You know, with with Kind Tai. Uh, you had Mae Young giving birth to a hand. You had the whole necrophilia thing that I just mentioned. I mean, so many just terrible, 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 terrible stories, but people overlook it because it's the nostalgia. The, the problem now is you mentioned something interesting, which, which I find, you know, hypocritical, and, and I'll tell you why. Not you specifically, but just the point. You were saying about how Daniel Bryan decided that, you know, we have to do the right thing and, you know, you got to win it the right way. But that technically would mean that every single time a wrestler cheats on SmackDown, Daniel Bryan should reverse the decision. And that's the thing about wrestling. It's like they'll enforce rules when they want to. And then, and for, the, like, here's a good one. Um, the 30-day stipulation where you have to defend your titles in 30 days. I guess that doesn't a, a, apply to Brock Lesnar because I don't think Brock Lesnar appears on Raw in a 30-day period. If he shows up twice a year, it's a big deal. So there's certain things and certain like uh, suspensions of disbelief that you have to have as a wrestling fan. I think what makes Joe and I bitter, which I, you can tell was super bitter, is that they have talent. You talk about Raw feeling like uh, the, the bigger show than SmackDown. It is. The reason is, is because they have most of the big stars on Raw. On SmackDown, John Cena disappears for six months. AJ Styles is the big star, yes, but you don't have too many guys on SmackDown who you would see main eventing Raw. And SmackDown is by default the, small, the, the lesser show. I do think it's a better quality show. The two hours help, except for, of course, Fred, who sits there and watches it, you know, religiously. But that three hours is just too much wrestling. It's too much. I remember Nitro back in the day in the Attitude Era was three hours. The first hour was Cruiserweights, and then everything else kind of broke out from there. And the thing about Raw, it's just kind of all over the place. And, you know, l- let me ask you this, Fred. Mm-hmm. Who's, your favorite, who's your favorite wrestler currently? And if you say Roman Reigns, I'm going to hang up the phone just so you know. But no. tell us, please. Uh, it's not Roman Reigns. Um, let's see. That, that, that's a good question because right now I think – the roster is probably the most talented it's been in a really long time uh, on both sides, really, Raw and SmackDown. I will agree that Raw does have bigger superstars, but uh, my favorite right now would have to be AJ Styles. 
Um, and he is on SmackDown, as Good you know. Uh, but um, I'm also a big fan of Seth Rollins, Finn Balor, uh, Nakamura, who, you know, I think is, you know, has a little ways to go on the main roster. Definitely made a name for himself, obviously, in Japan and NXT. Uh, but I don't right, think he's right. really yet on SmackDown, not because of him. Uh, I just don't think he's been given the opportunity well, to, you know, come right, well, but, but Sunday with AJ Styles was a great moment, and I think if they feud, which looks like that's what they're going to do, I think that'll really get Nakamura over. Um, well, all right, you mentioned Styles, Nakamura, um, right? Yeah, no, AJ Styles mm-hmm. is definitely one of, the, one of the best by far. I love AJ Styles. His hair has got to go, but that's a whole other story. You mentioned Nakamura, right? Nakamura. And the thing is, how, how are you going to get Nakamura over? And I like Dolph Ziggler, don't get me wrong. But when he's fighting Dolph Ziggler in like 30-minute matches on SmackDown, I mean, somebody made a good point. Like, this guy's supposed to be this mega superstar from Japan or whatever. You're bringing him up. He, you know, did well in NXT. And then he's coming up here his first night against, uh, you know, his first match on uh, pay-per-view against uh, Dolph. He barely won. I mean, he literally barely won against a guy who's essentially a mid-card wrestler. I mean, that, that to me is just, it's unforgivable. You know, you're bringing this guy up as this huge star, and then you're putting him in against somebody who they've passed over so many times who's the definition of mid-card for life. And then you have Nakamura who goes up there and it's like, oh, hey, well, I, I can barely beat you. I'm struggling to beat you. So you got to kind of make that a, a bigger deal. You know, you got to make Nakamura a bigger deal. Right. No, I agree. And I think they should have done either one of two things. Either had, Nakam- had Nakamura win in a more, you know, decisive Convincing, you know, way yeah. or had, had built up Ziggler to a point that by the time he faced Nakamura, Ziggler looked like a bigger star than he than he was, you know. Um, he, right. I will admit, Ziggler had some good matches, you know, in 2016. He of had course. the match with Ambrose at SummerSlam, and then he, you know, did have that great feud with Miz. But still, it wasn't in the position where he was a mega star that, like, it was a big deal that Nakamura beat him. It's like, oh, Nakamura beat Ziggler. There you go. Um, so I agree with that. That's why I think the feud with AJ uh, eventually, if it is at SummerSlam or somewhere down the road, you know, it's going to be a big thing for him. I think that'll be, hopefully, uh, when he finally, you know, is on all cylinders. Hey, Fred, are you a fan of the brand split? As long as they, you know, keep it separate, I, I don't think there should be a lot of interaction between both brands. I, I don't like uh, that Raw. I understand, you know, the, again, the business aspect of it, but I don't like when Raw will advertise SmackDown's pay-per-view or vice versa. Um, I think it should be a completely different thing. If there is supposed to be the competition between both, I think it should be just that, the competition. You're obviously not going to advertise your competition on, you know, your show. Um, But I do think it gives a lot of guys opportunities that wouldn't necessarily get it, um, which I think was the, one of the big positives of it in the original, you know, brand split from years ago. Um, so as long as and as long as they keep SmackDown somewhat at a you know decent level and not let it kind of go down and you know like it did last time, I think it's a great thing. I think mean, you know again it gives guys a lot of opportunities, and the storylines don't get as boring. So you know a storyline now doesn't have to develop on Raw and SmackDown. You only do the storyline on Raw, and then you have this set of storylines only on SmackDown. So I think it kind of takes away a little bit of the overexposure that, you know, can sometimes happen. Uh, are you a fan of the two pay-per-views per month? Like the, are you like the brand-specific pay-per-views? So twice a month, basically half the month, there's a pay-per-view on. 
No, that I that I don't like at all. Actually, I'm actually really against that. I I like the brand split pay per views, especially now on the network. You don't have to worry about you know buying them. Now, had this been in the past when they were you know I don't know fifty dollars pop, I think right, it'd be right. Absolute. But I still think it's a little much because I think it 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 takes away the um, special feeling of a pay per view when there is one every two weeks. You know, so well not you, only I know that, different... but. But sorry, do you watch NXT? I do. Yeah, big fan of NXT. And, and th- there's the other thing. Then when they have the NXT pay-per-views, you're talking like three freaking extra days. You know, you you have pay-per-views on, and to me, it's too much. You've got you know WrestleMania. You've got all this stuff. You've got hours and hours and hours of stuff, and then it's like, all right, Raw's three hours, SmackDown's two hours, plus NXT during mm-hmm. the week, plus two or five left, and then you're gonna ask your fans to put in you know, like another like eight or nine hours of of wrestling. You know, as far as the pay-per-views. To me, it's just it's just a bit much. When I watch it or whatever, you know, I tune in. I, you know, obviously, when I can, I got a lot of other things going on with family and stuff. But to me, it's just you're asking your fans for too much, and then you're not giving them compelling storylines. You're giving them these these half-assed pay-per-views with with terrible endings that then get undone on on paper uh, regular show. And then my thing is, uh, you know, as we're getting ready to to wrap up the show here, because you know we spent a lot of time talking to our guests, and now of course talking to you about wrestling, but. When Joe and I were talking originally about that, I don't know how you feel about this, but the network, we, we said, you know what, that WWE Network should have been a smash hit. To me, it should have been a runaway hit. They should have had like 8 or 9 million people subscribing at this point because it's only $10 a month and you can watch all this classic stuff and all this great stuff, you know. But any any thoughts or any ideas to why, I know you're a businessman, but what is, what it is about the network and that people are just not buying into it? You know, their numbers are much lower than what they've ever projected, and I honestly thought they'd have at least two or three times the amount, again, just because of how low it is. You've got, his, you know, price-wise, you've got historic low ratings on Raw. A couple weeks ago, they set their all-time record for the lowest rating they've ever had in the history of the show, which is amazing for a show that's been on for, like, 24 years. And then right. two weeks after that, it was even lower. So they're just hitting record lows of people not watching. And, you know, as a fan, as a big fan, you know, you've devoted your life to wrestling pretty much. Uh, you know, <laughs> tell us, just in your personal opinion, why do you think that is, that it, things are at such a low point right now for wrestling as far as numbers and, and all that? Well, as far as the ratings are concerned, I mean, and I will say this, Raw this week, um, its viewership was up in the highs it's been in a, in a long time. So that was good because that kind of broke the, you know, uh, way that it was going. Um but I think a lot of the reasons for the ratings, you know, not being what they were, uh, again, I think the three hours on Raw is an issue. Um, and it's just the way of the world now. You know, back in the day, if you wanted to watch Raw, you had to be home, well, at the time, 9 o'clock. Right. I mean, 9 o'clock. You weren't going to see Raw Tuesday online. You know, there was no YouTube to find out what happened. Or, you know, you either heard from your friends and, you, you know, you're like, Damn, I missed that. And, you know, now you could that night you can you know watch what happened. You could find out as it's happening what's going on on the show. Um, if you have the USA Network now app, you could watch Raw on your phone, no matter where you are. So there, I don't think there's that sense of urgency to have to watch the product live. Um, it's just that so, and, and that obviously affects ratings. You know, between the DVR. That's obviously a huge thing, and there's just so much content out there, you know. Um, 
that people just don't feel as compelled to, you know, sit at home on Monday night to watch Raw as they did, you know, even 10 years ago, maybe. Uh, you, you mean other, other than you, of course. doesn't have anything to do with that, other than me, right. Fred, I want you to ponder this next question and think about it long and hard because I'm tired. Um, how yeah, how in the sense. blue hell is Coco Beware in the WWE Hall of Fame? Oh, my God. Again with that? Are you kidding me? Is today his birthday? I think it, it was either today or yesterday. It was, it was, how would you know that, Fred? I was just about to say, how would you know that? I know every wrestler's birthday now. I don't, I, I don't know how to refer to, but I, somebody put a thing on their Instagram. Um, okay. But, Dear God. Uh, cut the show oh, wait, hold on a second. Fred, tell us the truth. Are you outside yeah. of Coco Beware's house right now? Are you parked outside I, of his I'm house act, talking I'm in? in his, I'm actually in his house uh, holding Frankie. <laughs> I have Frankie on my shoulder. Oh, Frankie would be dead long, a, long, a long time ago by now, but Joe has this thing I with Coco. He, First of all, no, sorry, go, uh, Fred. First of all, uh, no, I say, first of all, the whole WWE Hall of Fame is a total sham because they put in whoever they want. But the fact that Joe is still harping on Coco Beware being in the Hall of Fame to me is amazing. I've been hearing about this for 10 years. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, it could be worse. You could have Drew Carey in the Hall of Fame. Oh, wait a minute. You do. Oh, jeez, please. Let's, let's I mean, not even. Yeah. I mean, honestly, um, you know, there certainly are guys that aren't in the Hall of Fame that should be and are more deserving than Coco Beware. And I, I really don't yeah, know why they put him in there. I, I really don't. Um, the whole thing of like, oh, this guy should be in there, that guy should be in there. There's a lot of things that go into that, you know. I mean, obviously everybody says Owen Hart. Well, there's a lot of issues with, you know, his wife. There's a reason he's not yeah, in there. That's probably never you know? happening with Owen Hart, but that's all uh, you know, um British Bulldog's another one. I do see him going in eventually. You know, and they want to space things out. But I I can't answer why Coco Beware is in the Hall of Fame. I I really don't know why. That one, I was questioning when it happened, and I I still don't get it. I mean, I don't think it's, you know, it's something to be all bent out of shape over. Well, no, listen, this this keeps Joe up at night. Joe's married with, you know, he's got a daughter, all this stuff. Joe's, you know, a successful man, businessman. He spends many a sleepless night trying to figure out how it's possible that Coco Beware is in the WWE Hall of Fame. That's you know that's just the way of the world. But listen, Fred, we, we you know on that note we've got to end it because I can't talk anymore about Coco Beware. We yeah. thank you a lot. Sure. You know, really. Yeah, don't wait. Don't hold on, Joe. Fred, yeah, no, I was just gonna say, Fred, uh, maybe uh, you could come on uh, the show and we could break down Summerfest. I mean, SummerSlam. SummerSlam. I mean, I think I think you'd be a great insight to. Uh, because you're like the the yin to our yang, because you're the pup, Mr. Positive, and me and Dave just rip it to shreds. So I think we need you on after SummerSlam uh, just to break it down. First, so it'd be a pleasure. All right, cool. Sounds good. Listen, Fred, uh, thanks for calling in, and, uh, you know, we'll let you get back to watching uh, the very first episode of Raw, you know, Right now, I'm sure because yes. that's what you were doing before you called in. You had to prepare yourself for this, this for this uh, this phone call. But again, thanks a lot for tape. calling in. I was studying tape all day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm sure you're watching that's... Coco Beware's the Hall of Fame induction speech. Uh, have a I'm great night, Fred. Thanks again, again for calling. Thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> thanks, Fred. All right, take yeah. care. Oh man, that was pretty. That was pretty fun. Fun Fred who called in. Who uh, really? Uh, w- w- you don't realize, Joe, is that Fred was actually paid off by Vince McMahon right now. 
to, to give that spot because that was just like pure, you know, uh, you got to you know, be positive and this and that. It was, it was pretty interesting to hear somebody with an actual positive take on wrestling because that's not something you hear a lot on this show, so uh, positivity. You just made the list! I, I, you know, it's funny. I should have played. I was going to play that for him when he was on, but what I really wanted to play uh, while he was on, just to, just to see what his reaction would be, you know, because obviously we've never talked to the guy before, but I wanted to hear what he would say if I said this. Stupid idiot! <laughs> <laughs> oh, so much you wanted to talk about. Of course, we got to almost none of it with the calls that we had in the wonderful interview with Carissa. Um, sir, it's been a pleasure as always. Yeah, I think next week we need to get uh, be more serious and have a show, just you and I, and uh, break down some things that happened in our lives, both of us, good and bad. And, um, oh, of course, you know, of course. next week we should do that. Probably next Tuesday sounds good. Definitely, uh, positively, maybe. Who knows? Maybe. We'll, we'll, we'll yeah. definitely get around to that. Um, but, maybe. folks, thank you for listening. Thanks again to, you know, our special guest this evening, Abraham, for calling in. And, of course, for uh, Right Said Fred for, you know, taking some time off of recording a new album with Coco Beware on it to, to give us some time. So uh, let's just say uh, it's pretty much it. What's the name of your show? Uh, pure Gold. Pure Gold. Yes, sir. I got two words for you. Pure <laughs> Gold. You guys are awesome. I never get tired of hearing Mike say with this befuddled sound in his voice, uh, Pure Gold, like he never <laughs> heard those two words put together right. in the same sense before. I mean, I, you got to love it, sir. you you got to love it. Love it. Have a good night, sir. And everyone else Later. out there listening in Radio Land. Let's Woo. go, PG. Woo! <laughs>